0: You are listening to Friends of the Earth Europe's show at We Radio.
1: Real World Radio Europe, a show bringing together what's going on in the over 30 national member groups of Friends of the Earth Europe. We're the European branch of the world's largest grassroots environmental and social justice network, Friends of the Earth International. I'm Robbie in the Friends of the Earth Europe communications team. And this week, we're talking to some wonderful people from Ireland to learn all about the remarkable progress of a campaign to outlaw fossil fuel extraction in the country. If successful, it would make Ireland the fourth country in the world to ban fossil fuel exploration. On the line, we have Aideen O'Doherty, who is from Not Here, Not Anywhere, an activist group who's been campaigning for the climate emergency bill. Aideen, hi, welcome.
2: Hi, thank you. Thanks for having me.
1: A real pleasure for you to join us. And we've got Oshin Kolan, who's the director of Friends of the Earth Island. Hi, Oshin. Hi, Robbie. Good to, good to be with you. So for people who have never heard anything about it who are not in Ireland can you tell us a bit about the climate emergency bill what's been proposed what is the ban
2: So, I'll tell you a little bit about the Climate Emergency Bill first. So, the Climate Emergency Bill is a bill proposed by a small political party in Ireland called People Before Profit, proposed last November, and uh, the bill is to ban the issuing of any future licences for offshore oil and gas exploration in Ireland. So yeah, it was proposed by People for Profit last November and uh, we in Not Here Not Anywhere, at the organization I'm part of, have been campaigning for that bill since. Uh, it has passed the first and second stages in the Dáil. The most important of these was the second stage where, which required uh, our TDs, so our members of parliament, to vote on whether the bill would go to the next stage or not. Uh, it passed through that stage in February and now it's going to the third stage in July, which is where it goes before a special committee, a committee of the Dáil of the Parliament uh, on communications, um, climate and natural environment. And uh, then it will pass on through the... If if it passes that stage, um, some of the, the TDs, members of Parliament, might want to amend it um, so we'll see what happens at, at that stage, but that's the next stage in July. So, if successful, uh, the bill would ban the issuing of any new uh, licences.
1: Okay, great. So it's so it seems like it's at a quite advanced stage, but there's still more to go in the parliament. But can you tell can you tell us a little bit more about? What it would mean for Ireland? So, it really it really means that there's no new fossil fuel exploration, or or does it also mean there's a ban on um, current fossil fuel extraction?
2: Yeah, so that's a good question about whether it would ban, is it future licenses or if it's current fossil fuel ex- exploration. And unfortunately, it does not affect current licenses. So we have, there are several licenses um, and there are several companies um, at the moment who are, who are trying to get partners for um, for drilling for oil off the southwest coast of Ireland. So unfortunately, the, this bill, the climate emergency bill, will not impact those licenses. So it's actually more of of, but it would be a very important, it would be a very important gesture for the Irish government to ban the the issuing of future licences, and it would be no small thing to um, to get that to get the bill through. Um, because Ireland is currently seen, and within Europe in particular, it's it's very it's very low. It's a, it's a climate laggard. I think is the is the language that um, Friends of the Earth sort of started using, and now our our Taoiseach, our Prime Minister, actually uses. Um, so Ireland is not doing well. So this would this would be a great step forward um, for Ireland in terms of climate action if we were actually able to get this bill passed. It would be a, a symbolic gesture, but one with with power nonetheless and even to get the the bill has been important even in getting it on on the radar of our members of parliament i think
1: so i wonder if you can just uh, say where has this extraordinary campaign momentum come from and um, it's come very simply from
0: the grassroots energy and activism and creativity of people like adine and those in not anywhere and it's also come from the success of the campaign to ban fracking which Friends of the Earth were involved in, in, in at various stages, particularly at the parliamentary stage. We, we, we accompanied the grassroots campaigners on that campaign through the legislative Uh, process that we're somewhat familiar with having worked on the climate law. But again, that campaign was driven by local campaigners in that case who were on the front line of where fracking would take place. And uh, at the latter stages of that campaign, uh, which is really very successful, and obviously ultimately a law was passed last year to ban fracking in Ireland, it was clear that it only applied onshore. And so it kind of brought the attention to offshore fracking and offshore exploration more generally. And then, and and Aideen might be able to tell you more about the origins of of her group, but basically There was a plan last year to issue licenses uh, for for some more drilling and exploration offshore, and particularly given the kind of success of the fracking bill, it kind of of brought home the absurdity of that to many people, Uh, and there was another surge of activism, um, which combined with the the debate in Parliament on the exclusion of of offshore from the fracking bill, those two kind of streams of parliamentary energy and activist energy uh, have have led to the opposition, one of the opposition parties bringing forward this bill in Ireland and I guess one of the key factors that allows this to progress is that uh, we have a minority government, which is unusual in Ireland I know in lots of European countries there are, you know, uh, multiple multi-party coalitions and no set majority in Parliament, that's unusual here, we normally have a set, like a, a coalition that has a solid majority. But what it's meant over the last two years is that opposition parties can initiate bills that for the first time ever really have a real chance of becoming law. That's what happened in the, in the case of fracking and that's what's now in progress on a number of other bills on environmental matters. Uh, but in this case it, it is the case with, with this bill that would um, uh, ban uh, offshore uh, Exploration and extraction.
1: Brilliant. So it's really coming together of, of, uh, of movements and of parliamentary campaigning and political pressure. Could you could you tell us a bit about what, what it would mean for Ireland if it comes about?
0: Well, I think uh, it would mean it would mean it would mean one thing for sure, and then one thing that we need to think about for sure. It would mean it would be a really important symbol uh, and milestone. Uh, in the international uh, movement as you as you mentioned in the intro not very many countries have taken this step uh, so for Ireland to do it as a Western European country uh, with a significant offshore territory if, if not necessarily significant offshore reserves we have Ireland is an island on the on the uh, west of, the, of Europe that we have we have a, a lot of offshore area so it will be would be significant for us to say to forswear any further exploration or searching or extraction of of fossil fuels and um, so that would be a really positive signal to the world about the way things are going. The other thing I'd say for Ireland is, is we need to be careful how, how, our, how our political elected leaders might interpret that because there's a danger they'd say so therefore we are climate leaders aren't we? And of course the reality is climate Ireland is very much a climate laggard. Our actual emissions on our, on our territory now uh, are very bad. We're one of only a few countries that's going to miss our EU targets for 2020 and of those handful, the only where emissions are still rising they're still above 1990 we have very bad planning with regard to emissions for the future very very little is happening to reduce emissions so the the, we want to win this campaign absolutely for for the for its broader contribution to the international climate justice movement but we want to be careful then that our, our politicians don't sort of say tick that well that's climate ticked for this year anyway we can talk about it again next year because really we need to then uh, say well, if we're going to be so good uh, in terms of our future extraction, we need to think about our own emissions now as well. Because just to be clear about one thing, it wouldn't be the end of all extraction in Ireland. We currently industrially harvest peat of all things, for God's sake, and burn it in in in. Um, in electricity stations, three electricity stations, producing just 9% of our electricity, but over 20% of our climate pollution from electricity generation in Ireland. So you know, it's, it's like ripping up the Amazon to put it into electricity generators in, in Brazil, even Brazil don't do that. So uh, we're still indulging in climate madness in Ireland on the one hand, and yet this activist and parliamentary energy has led to a potential
1: sort of pioneering uh, advances somewhere else. Fascinating, really exciting. So Aidan, can you tell us a bit about your organisation Not Here Not Anywhere and who, who's involved in this grassroots movement and how's it come about and how did it get involved in the campaign for this emergency bill?
2: Sure, so as Ashin was saying um, Not Here Not Anywhere uh, started last summer uh, and it kind of grew out of a Frustration and an anger uh, that um, this company, an Irish company Providence Resources, uh, was starting exploratory drilling off the the southwest coast in a marine life rich area, uh, an area with local fishing communities, um, a lot of tourism in the area. And we just it was it was started by a group of environmental activists who felt that demand fracking onshore and then to to immediately start drilling for oil offshore was just sort of there it was, it was staggering hypocrisy and the name of our group not here not anywhere um, is because we oppose uh, fossil fuel extraction exploration and infrastructure both here in Ireland so um, in the south off the southwest coast where the drilling was proposed. Um, Uh, off the East Coast, where they're talking about doing drilling off the coast of Dublin here. And also we oppose the importation of, uh, say, fracked gas from elsewhere. So there is talk of uh, liquefied natural gas, LNG terminals being built um, again in the southwest coast of Ireland uh, to import fracked gas from elsewhere. And so that's where the Not Here, Not Anywhere name came from. Um, And with the Climate Emergency Bill... It, it aligned directly with our with our aims to ban the issuing of any new licenses. So it was the perfect thing for us to, to campaign on.
1: So I wonder if you can tell us a bit now about the tactics that you in Not Here, Not Anywhere have used.
2: So thinking about the tactics that we used in particular when we were lobbying for the Climate Emergency Bill and um, in a wider sense as, a, as an organization, I think the the first thing that we did in terms of the climate emergency Bill was make sure our message was very clear. So we we decided that we would that we would sort of campaign on the basis of three points: the impact of oil and gas exploration on marine health, the impact on local communities, and um, and the the economic sort of. Folly of doing it that it that it didn't make economic sense. Um, so we very much targeted our campaign. That's another thing we did is, is target specific uh, specific members of parliament and specific parties. Try to think like them. So, for instance, we were targeting um Fall, which is kind of the. Right, centre-right party, one of the the main parties who are in opposition at the moment. And we, when we were talking to them, we emphasised the economic aspects of, of oil and gas extraction. That it's it's not profitable to to extract in Ireland. There's very been very few commercial discoveries. So those are some of the the tactics that we used. And thinking about liaising with the other groups, one thing we also did was was start early. I remember the the bill was announced in in November. It went through the first stage of the goal and And straight after that, we met with other groups. We met with Friends of the Earth through Stop Climate Chaos um, and liaised with the other environmental groups like that. And one interesting thing that we did was that we talked with Stop Climate Chaos about this Keeping Not Here Not Anywhere separate so we were a separate voice a new voice um, in the debate and, and that kind of gave it extra power
1: Fantastic and, and I wonder if I can put the same question to you Orsin
0: Yes for sure I, I think it's a, it's evolving and it's certainly also or at least my understanding and, um, and thinking on, on Friends of the Earth's role has evolved over time um, because I think I might have traditionally thought the grassroots activists would be great at organizing um very legitimate concerns, whether it's locally in, in, uh, in Leitrim around fracking or whether it's sort of activists, not all, not only young, but potentially young activists uh, who see their future being mortgaged uh, to fossil fuels and that they would do that and we might be the issue experts and we might be the parliamentary experts. And it, it, I was very quickly disabused of that notion in that it's both in the case of fracking and this, and this case, you know, volunteer activists who put their energy and thought into this very quickly become very expert and the local people in, in Leitrim are far more expert on the ins and outs of like the, te- the technicalities of fracking and um, the relationship with the companies and the uh, and freedom of information and all of the planning process, far more expert than I will ever be as a generalist sitting in Dublin. Uh, so in that case, we were able to provide some parliamentary expertise towards the end because we've just been through a terribly long campaign to win a climate law. So we knew how the parliamentary process worked. So, uh, but, I, but I continue to learn and uh, to, uh, because when we've started to collaborate with Not you Not Anywhere, yes, we bring that experience and Stop Climate Chaos that Aideen mentioned is the... Um it's a coalition of both environmental and um, youth, and faith and overseas aid agencies uh, working on climate for the last ten years, and we have a fairly strongly accumulated body of parliamentary lobbying knowledge. But actually, it's been really interesting to watch. So I might have imagined doing this. Okay, we'll we'll apply the fracking model, and Aideen and her and her colleagues will do the sort of uh, high visibility uh, stunts and activism that catches attention and draw uh, and. and you know highlights the issue and we'll do the uh, we'll accompany them in the, in the lobbying process. Actually, not only are they issue experts and know far more about oil licenses than I do, they very quickly demonstrated a uh, both a, a very strong skill set and a really strong application, as in you know, doing it solidly for a while on the lobbying uh, in the in, in the context of this bill, which has been really great to watch. So, um, so the question actually is <laughs> what's left for Friends of the Earth to add to this, and it's a question that we have to keep challenging ourselves with because I, I, I'm, I'm reflecting. In that, because as a Friends of the Earth podcast, it is really useful for us uh, as a movement and as an NGO movement to, to keep examining what we add in, in the era of very informed uh, and very expert volunteer activist groups uh, who also have access to the other tools that we would say we might, might bring, which is the online organizing tools. But in the, in the era of Avaz and the national versions of Avaz, where you can start your own petition and get it going, we have to keep examining how best we can add. Value how best we can help uh, those who where the real uh, engine of activism is. Now, in the case of of this, we have done some online mobilizing of our supporters, and we will do more of that at the appropriate stages of the bill. And it is also true that uh, inside Stop Climate Case as a whole, there are some people who still have some capacity and time to give the parliamentary process. And at the next stage of that process is uh, where a committee gives the bill kind of a detailed scrutiny, it's called. And for that, we need to provide, make sure that the right expert are available to the committee and that the committee chooses to call the right experts and and how ha- and frames the debate in a way that makes it most likely that the parties will will decide to proceed with the bill uh, and I think we can make a make contributions at that stage but largely we have found that the that the it isn't just a case of you know it's not a case of the relationship between naive enthusiastic volunteers and veteran NGO uh, lobbyists it's been uh, it's been a much more well, hopefully more fruitful than that and and there's been very little that not Anywhere hasn't been able to do itself. So we've had to make sure that we are adding value and not stealing their thunder either, because that that, was, that is a risk for NGOs who have some brand recognition that we kind of try to march in towards the end and either wittingly or unwittingly take credit for something that we didn't do very much to achieve.
1: Yeah, quite a conundrum, but also it sounds like a really creative tension in a way. Aideen, you wanted to come in?
2: Yeah, I wanted to say something else about how we worked with the established NGOs and the, you know, the expert lobbyists and professional campaigners. Um, because it was a, it was a new experience for us at not here not anywhere because we're a new organization and i think that we we complemented so us as a new organization and you know an energetic creative activist group and um, we were really complemented by the more experienced People like Friends of the Earth and like Stop Climate Chaos, the coalition of environmental activists, because they had the the experience, the experience in the parliamentary parliamentary process, and they had the the reach as well. They could reach out to thousands of people that they already have established contact with. So they had that, but we, I think, so we're a we're a nonpartisan group. Um, we're completely apolitical. So I think that kind of it kind of helped that we were new like that, and that we had. People didn't see us as they didn't have preconceived. So when we were going to going to talk to TDs, to members of parliament, they didn't have preconceived notions about who we were. Whereas they might have with some of the more established NGOs. So we were kind of coming with the with a clean slate, um, and I think that that helped, and, and that that sort of complemented. Um, You know that they were hearing from the from the established voices as well they're also hearing a a new voice that they had no um preconceived notions or or stereotypes or or biases about
1: yeah fascinating um what 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 would you say is next in the like in the immediate steps of the campaign and, and what should we be watching out for so,
0: up. Um, I mean, I'd say we. might both want to comment on this. The next step is this: this detailed uh, scrutiny by um, by the uh, parliamentary committee for climate action and environment, and that's uh, penciled in. Well, the actual kind of hearings are penciled in. Well, they'll call witnesses for the beginning of July. So, uh, the main phase now that I know both Here Not anywhere, and Stockholm, and, and Friends of the Earth have been looking at is basically trying to come up with, well, trying to come up with the kinds of speakers. We think they should be call, uh, calling in, and the kinds of, uh, particularly trying to think about the kinds of arguments that the that the people who don't want this bill to progress um, will be will be bringing forward, and the kinds of speakers they might have, so that we can. Match that with both the right kind of information and the right kind of speakers. So we need to be showing them, you know, how the how we can keep the grid stable with more and more renewables. How we can get to 100% renewables by 2040, so that therefore, you know, it will be a window for us. It'll be a, a, a way in to talk about gas and how gas is not the transition fuel that um, politicians tend to see it as. So I mentioned Pete and we know we know about coal. Like there is, I feel this this thing now that there's a the real fight is over is over gas in that basically politicians accept that we have to get out of, we have to get out of peat. They accept we have to get out of coal and there's a, there's a plan to close down Ireland's only coal station by 2025. But their attitude to gas is basically, oh, we don't need to make any decisions about that now, do we? Because that's the transition fuel. So that business as usual can happen there. But of course, what's happening in practice, therefore, is we're getting locked into gas for not, not just for 10 or 15 years, but potentially for, if we build an LNG terminal for, for the next 40 years, they tend to want to postpone any decisions on and gas and this is a this is a as well as being on its own merits a fantastic opportunity to stop further exploration. It's, it's it is a really positive uh, um, opportunity to educate members of parliament and educate the media and educate decision makers in the context of this bill about why we should be not investing more money in gas and why gas why why did we need to take decisions now to go into energy savings and into renewables and not into gas. So hopefully this will be a platform not just for advancing this particular bill, but for the wider debates about LNG, but also just about our infrastructure as a whole and our investment in renewables and our investment in buildings as a whole.
1: Aideen, I want would, I would to ask you a kind of similar question about, well, you can come in on what, what's next in the campaign if you've, you have something to add. But I wonder kind of beyond that, what happens kind of n- next after, after the end of this campaign? And hopefully it'll be kind of really successful. What are, what are the plans of Not Here, Not Anywhere um, in the kind of more longer term future?
2: Yes, Not Here, Not Anywhere has lots of future plans, both short and long term. So in the short term, we will obviously be looking at the climate emergency bill in the the next stage of the Dáil, um and we'll be raising awareness around that. We have a, a lecture tour happening in um, in the mid- middle of June, um, Andy Georgiou from Food and Water Watch Europe is coming over uh, to talk in a, ve- a few um, a few cities and towns around Ireland. Uh, that'll be great. And we're potentially thinking about a climate march uh, at the very end of June. This is something we have to talk to various um, stakeholders about Um and that would be also raising awareness of the climate emergency bill. Um, and we also we're also thinking about so LNG is obviously high on our list as well. And the, the lecture tour, I know Andy's going to talk about that in June. And thinking about a we're also going to focus of that tour is a different energy future for Ireland. So looking at community energy um, and how how um, different groups around the country are are starting to are starting to, to set up and generate their own energy. Um, and uh, importantly, as well, what we'll be doing over the summer is um, there is uh, there's so there's this exploration uh, Providence Resources, the company that that started um, exploring last year off the southwest coast. They have now got a, a partnership with a Chinese investor. APEC is the name of the company, and they will be hoping to start drilling, actually drilling for oil next year. Um, off the coast of Cork in um, in the south of Ireland. So a lot of our a lot of our energy will be taken up with with looking at that and seeing how we can best um, best oppose that. And ideally, we'd like to you know to get in touch with other groups around Europe if they if they have are trying to oppose similar projects. Um, and there are even other groups called Not Here, Not Anywhere around Europe. So we'd love to link up with them. And you know we can all call ourselves Not Here, Not Anywhere, Everywhere. <laughs> Um, I can't take credit for that. That was one of my fellow group members. Um, but yeah, so we so we have lots of plans, um, both short and long term. And and I think yeah, what happens after the ban, um, because the climate emergency bill, like Oshin was saying, it's it's quite symbolic. You know, it's to, to stop the issuing of any future licenses, any additional licenses. So our focus really is going to be on on what is happening you know what's not protected by say even if the climate emergency bill goes through what's not protected by legislation which is the existing licenses so you know they're they're okay to drill away so we really need to we're going to focus on those and also the the plans for lng terminals
1: brilliant thank you that's, it seems like uh, there were immense challenges but so much uh, so much going on so much energy and momentum that's being built up here So I guess I've got one final question that I'll put to both of you. So, for people listening from outside Ireland, what would you say are some of the key lessons to draw from this campaign and from from your experience here?
0: I mean, I guess first of all that that this can be done. That we are we are you know there is a real chance of getting this bill passed into law. Uh, And already, if if Aidan can speak to this more, that the the, uh, the first. Issue that got not in anywhere going, they they had a victory as in the the uh, that 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 company didn't get everything it wanted in, in, in when it when it, when it was active last year, so. Uh, there is a new energy out there among among activists around this issue and uh, some of it's you know mirroring the the, the standing rock and uh, the keystone examples in in the US and and the energy there's been in Ireland now as well around divesting um from fossil fuels at the, at the uh, mostly at the university level and wherever else there there are there are um, um, funds like significant funds that can be pulled out of, of out of fossil fuels so you know there, that, that that new wave of activism I think in a way it's a new wave of activism uh, is having successes, and and we should take hope uh, from that for sure. Um, I mean, we you know we like other friends of the earth spent a, a long time campaigning on for a climate law, which we finally got, and it wasn't as strong as we wanted it to be. Uh, that took us eight years. It took eight months, pretty much, to get the fracking bill passed. Uh, and it may yet be the case that the climate emergency bill that we're talking about now gets passed in eight months or less if we if we get it passed before the end of this year. So. Uh, we've got for for a variety of reasons we've got a lot faster and um, and I think it's it's really it's been really positive for us to turn away from the sort of abstract architecture around climate and energy such as the Paris Agreement itself and in our case the national climate law and to be focusing on the tangible stuff that people can relate to much much easier so stopping drilling stopping fracking and indeed not just that the positive we're very active on the community energy side the community power side uh, looking at the positive things that communities can be involved in themselves in in taking ownership literally and metaphorically of their uh, energy future and for us that's been uh, a liberation, I suppose, to get away from the more abstract intangibles of the rules and actually opposing dirty energy and developing clean energy. And it's been much easier to engage people in a creative uh, and productive and, and victorious, successful uh, relationship when, when those have been our focuses.
2: Yeah, the key pieces of advice that I think I or or we in Not Here, Not Anywhere would um, would give to similar organizations. I think one of the first things was decide on your key message early on and stick with it and make it very clear. Um, so decide on what you're going to say, why you care about this this issue and how you're going to con- convince people to care as well. Um, I think, yeah, decide on that early on and then that, that informs all communications and, and that makes it easy to kind of coordinate all, all your communications, whether it's a press release or whether it's a letter that Friends of the Earth is going to send out to, to all its, um, everyone on its mailing list or whether it's, you know, a, a not bad submitted to the newspaper. So key message... Um, Second thing would be to know who you're going to target, basically. So if it's the opposition party, if it's a minister, I mean, is it is it members of the public that you want to mobilize? Um, so know who you're going to target and, and think about what their opposing arguments. I mean, I guess it's simple. It's like the art of war. Know what, know what they're going to say. You know how they're going to try and defend themselves. Um, so you can counterattack, if you like. And the final piece of advice, which is a, a nice one, is um, celebrate and party because I like I always think personally that, that activism—I mean, activism—is you know, it's it's voluntary. We're doing this in our spare time. It can be great if you can make it fun, at least for the for the participants, and I think it, it helps in getting other people to join the movement as well. So we had a party after the climate emergency bill passed the second stage, in the all the climate emergency whoop party. But yeah, so we had that party afterwards, and we had you know the TD, the member of parliament who had proposed the the bill. We had her there as well, and um, a couple of people said afterwards that. It was brilliant to get to to actually talk to a politician like that, and you know and to have just people just people celebrating together and we really wanted to to do something like that to thank everyone who had who had emailed their emailed their t d or rang their t d because it was it was lovely to see all the people who came out in support of of the bill before it went to that second stage of the goal and um, so I think yeah, if in if in doubt, party.
1: Well, cheers to that. I'll definitely be raising one on that note. And uh, absolutely right. I think that's what definitely one of the key things we keep on hearing about making sure that we're really lifting our heads up and and celebrating and congratulating each other. I think that's part of what this podcast series is also about is trying to kind of raise the awareness and, and have a bit of celebration of the things that are really going well and the things that are really interesting and inspiring across Europe. Aideen, how can people find out more about Not Here, Not Anywhere?
2: Uh, So if you want to keep up with what Not Here, Not Anywhere is doing, it would be brilliant if you could follow us. We're on Twitter. We are at NHNA Ireland and on Facebook we are Not Here Not Anywhere I or L
1: So listen thank you so much to you Aideen and to Oshin in Ireland and also thank you for listening and to keep up with our networks campaigns you can follow Friends of the Earth Europe on Facebook and Twitter and visit our website at www.foeeurope.org get involved with a Friends of the Earth group nearby you by going to foeeurope.org slash network and to subscribe to this podcast on iTunes or SoundCloud or wherever you download your podcasts. Keep listening and you can follow radio stories from around Friends of the Earth International Network at radiomundoreal.fm Thanks also to Pete the Temp for the music and see you next time. Bye-bye. This was Friends
2: of the Earth Europe and Rio Radio.